Good morning. It's been my tradition for the last couple of times I've been up here in this pulpit to welcome you with Fred Rogers' words, what a beautiful day in the neighborhood. But today, I'm going to pass that by. And I'm going to, I'm going to open my comments this morning with a, a line that I saw in the call to worship. What a gift it is to be together as a community of love, faith, support, and joy. Our scripture this morning speaks to that very well. And I think it's, it's one that's familiar to all of us. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. And I, I'm not going to suggest that we read the whole thing because I think it's very familiar to you, but I am going to read the first part of it, which says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is, made, is not made up of one part, but of many. We're a lot of individuals, but we're all a community. We are a community of faith. This morning, I'd like to address three closely related topics that I want to present to you as a problem, a need, and a solution to the need. The first topic is the, is the rise in individualism here in the United States and throughout the world. The second is our basic human need to belong to something bigger and greater than ourselves. And the third, is that only after we've considered the first two can we, be, can we begin to think about building a nest for ourselves. A nest, in other words, a community. Our focus on the individual in so many ways dominates our lives. And I think that particularly manifests itself in our new information technology culture. It's called individualism. Some people called it rugged individualism. And incidentally, rugged individualism was a phrase coined by Herbert Hoover, the 31st president of the United States. In a 1928 presidential campaign, he ran as a Republican. Hoover, who was a self-made millionaire, expressed his view that the American system itself was based on rugged individualism and self-reliance. In so many ways, rugged individualism has become the hallmark of this great nation. Individualism is a social theory favoring freedom of action, freedom of action for individuals over the collective or the state control in which encouragement has been given to free enterprise and the pursuit of profit. People who support individualism prioritize the principles of economic freedom, private ownership and competition, 
Self-interest and self-reliance. Important phrase, self-reliance. I don't think we can talk about individualism without, without getting into the whole idea of tribalism. And we hear the word tribalism more and more in the social discourse and certainly on what we hear on cable TV news. Tribalism is almost always dominated by forced consensus. That's an odd phrase in itself, forced consensus. Or better said, conformity. A tribe conforms to itself. Whereas individualism allows for diversity of thought and action. As researchers reported in the journal Physiological Science, excuse me, it was Psychological Science, individualism has increased by roughly 12% worldwide through 1960. Why that's an important statistic, I don't know. But this increase appears to be due mostly to increasing social economic development, higher incomes, more education, a trend to urbanization, and a shift towards white-collar jobs. And I think we can look at the, the impact of COVID-19, which created a whole new sphere of work-at-home-related jobs as, a, as another important factor that is boosted our, is boosting our tend towards individualism. Individualism, I think, in, in fact, is part of our DNA. As parents, we build a family. One of our driving goals as parents is to, is to teach our kidlings self-sufficiency. We expend extraordinary amounts of effort and sweat and tears, teaching and enabling our children to stand on your own two feet, be independent thinkers, make your own way, be your own person, we teach them to follow their dreams, not ours. That's our job as parents, to fortify and nourish our children to make them strong enough and smart enough to equip them with all of the tools that they're going to need to suffer the outrageous slings and arrows they'll face in a challenging grown-up world. We create these these self-sufficient wunderkind, and then we send them out into the raw, savage society, and we question, did we do enough? The rise of individualism and the trend towards increased individualism, rugged individualism, seems to be at odds with man's basic need to be connected to someone or someone else. What does connection mean? Human connection, I think, is the sense of closeness and belongingness. Great word, belongingness. That a person can experience when having supportive relationships with those around them. Connection is when two or more people interact with each other and each person in that interaction feels valued, is seen, is recognized and heard and respected. 
There's no judgment in this connection. And those in the connection always feel stronger and nourished when they exit the connection after they have engaged with others. A human connection can just be a chat of, with a friend over coffee, a hug from a partner after a long day. A hug from a partner after a long day is a good thing. It could be a hike in the woods with a family friend, something that I do with my, my older son frequently, and I love it. Connecting with someone doesn't have to include words or conversation. It could be just being with somebody, just being in their presence and enjoying this wonderful thing of connectedness. There's a phrase I always liked that says, no man is an island entirely of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. That's an idiom that a 17th century in a, from a 17th century sermon given by the dean of St. Paul's Cathedral, and that dean happened to be John Donne, a clergyman who now, after all of these years, is recognized as one of, the, one of England's greatest poets. We can also find connectedness in John chapter 15, verses four through seven, which says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I to you, you'll produce plenty of fruit. But separated from me, you won't be able to do anything. If you don't stay joined to me, you'll be like a branch that has been thrown out and is dried up. Go back to our scripture this morning, 1 Corinthians. There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. They're all connected. We're connected. I am connected. We want to be connected. In fact, we have to be connected. And to me, saying that, that we need to be connected is perhaps just another way of saying we need to belong. How strong is that? The willingness to say, I need to belong. Abraham Maslow in his theory of his hierarchy of needs, of the things that motivate people to do things, placed love and belonging. What he described as the human need for interpersonal connection and acceptance squarely in the middle of his five motivations, in between safety and esteem. Maslow's hierarchy of needs was, was also precedent. It was a couple of, couple of years ago that he came up with that. But today, in an age of individualism and increased isolation, with increased rates of loneliness and alienation and polarization, there's a growing recognition that belonging matters not just for our own emotional well-being, but for our physical health, the health of our social discourse, and even our economic well-being. 
Belonging isn't just being connected to other people, it's also being connected to place and to power and to purpose. The experience of belonging is connectiveness through community, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. It's also rooted in a place, a feeling of being grounded, of ownership in shared outcomes and a sense of mission with others. The cost of not believing, belonging can be tragic. The price of loneliness is isolation and loneliness. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we read that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls where there is not another to lift him up. To me, the very idea of being alone, falling, with no one to lift us up, haunts many of us as we grow older. Now, the, whole, the subject of loneliness, particularly among seniors, is just the opposite of belonging. In May of this year, the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, raised alarm about the devastating impact of the epidemic of loneliness and isolation in the United States. He said, quote, our epidemic of loneliness and isolation has been an underappreciated health crisis that has harmed individual and societal health. Our relationships are a source of healing and of well-being, hiding plainly in sight, one that can help us live healthier, more fulfills, fulfilled, and more productive lives. We all need a place where we can belong, where we can be seen and heard, support and be supported, inspire and be inspired, where we can sh share our joys and our victories, our experience, our strength, and our hope. Where we can listen and teach and learn. Always a student, sometimes as a leader, sometimes just as a student. We can call that place a community, a gathering of like-minded people with a common purpose. Today, I think we're, the, we're probably the members of the largest, let me go back and read that again. Today, we're members of what is probably the largest and by some measures, the most significant of all communities, and that is the community of faith. If you look at the organization chart of the Southport Congregational Church, in one way you would see a list of committees and boards. But if you looked at it in other ways, you'd see a list of communities. In reality, we are a community of communities. We grow spiritually and mentally and physically, not by ourselves, but by others around us. The actor Angela Bassett 
said, quote, it is important to surround yourself with good people, interesting people, young people, and young ideas. She admonishes, admonishes us to go places, learn new stuff, look at the world with wonder, and don't be tired by it. Now, I personally don't uh, hold with keeping with young people and young ideas, and that's just because I'm old. Now, the nice part of it is if a community doesn't exist, we'll create one. Communities are rarely limited by size or numbers. It only takes two people to form a community. A community can be as many as three of us or four of us. It can be as many as 15 or 20 of us. Memberships in a community are almost always voluntary. There's no such thing as a lifetime membership in a community. The doors in and out of a community go both ways. For the most part, there are no rigid rules. There's no constitution. There's no regulation. Consensus in a community always reigns. We enter a, or join a community for ongoing enrichment. And sometimes, when we've had a belly full of enrichment, we realize it's time to move on. No shame, no blame. I've been looking at uh, PBS has had a series of Groucho Marx and Dick Cavett and some of their longtime conversations. And I remember Groucho Marx was a member of the Friars Club. And he resigned. And in his letter, he wrote these, to me, immortal words. I don't want to belong to any club that would accept me as a member. There's a lot of truth in that. Dr. Brene Brown, who we talked about in the men's club, has a lot to say about belonging. She, she defines it as being part of something bigger. And then she has this caveat. Being part of something bigger, but also having the courage to stand alone and belong to yourself above all else. I like to think that belonging to yourself is really the same thing as just being yourself. Accepting who we are is just the opposite of having to fit in. Fitting in means that we're willing or we feel the need to change ourselves to make other people like us. If you feel that you must change yourself in order to fit into a community, I think you've missed the whole point. Can we reconcile individualism to community? I think we can, because they're really two, two sides of the same coin. Community embraces individualism and celebrates it. That's what give it, gives it strength, its cohesiveness, its stickiness. Healthy communities can give us the opportunity not only to belong, but to be ourselves. There's a certain anonymity in communities. 12-step recovery groups are founded on the principle of anonymity. It's not who you are, it's what you are. 
who you are outside of the community, your job, your home, your resume, is all unimportant. It's all about shared interest. It's all about a common denominator. Now, I personally would hold up the Thursday morning men's group here at, at Southport as my ideal of an almost near-perfect community. We leave our guns at the door. We leave our measuring tapes and our yardsticks at the door, yardsticks that we use to measure the value of another person. We leave our egos at the door. There's a freedom of expression in the men's group, and openness and an honesty. And openness and honesty is the only standard that governs the time that we spend together. I think about all of those helping and, and healing communities that are out there where all you have to do is hold up your hand and say, I am hurt, I am wounded, I'm cut, I'm bleeding, and I need help. And it's not seen as an act of wisdom. It's seen as an act of courage. It takes courage to say that you need help. It takes courage to say that you can't do it by yourself. I need you. I need you to be connected to me. I need you to belong. I need to belong. Can we, can I survive on our own? I think not. There's so much in this world that I can't do alone. But if I reach out and I have the courage to ask for help, I know that there will be someone, some community there to come to my aid. Now, it may be one of my family, maybe one of my friends. It could be a total stranger. It could be the, the Good Samaritan. But help will always be there for us in community if we seek it, if we have the courage to seek it. I need, and quite honestly, I cherish my communities my Southport Congregational Church community, all of us here this morning, my men's group community, my carousel community. My communities help me feel that I belong. I belong here. And I can assure you, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling to belong. So my challenge to you can be summed up in two commercials that we may have heard of, three commercials. One was, be all that you can be. And there was another commercial that said, reach out, touch someone. And there was a third commercial that said, try it, you'll like it. Being part of a community is not accidental. It's a choice, a deliberate choice. It's an investment with little cost and returns that last a lifetime, that sustain you in hard times and make the good times even sweeter. I'd like to close this morning with a poem from Mary Oliver. I like Mary Oliver. It's a poem that she wrote that's called Mysteries, Yes. Listen to the last part. 
Listen to the last part. She says, truly we live with mysteries too marvelous to be understood. How grass can be nourishing in the mouths of lambs. How rivers and stones are forever in alliance with gravity, while we ourselves dream of rising. How two hands touch, and the bonds will never be broken. How people come from delight or the scars of damage to the comfort of a poem. This is the important part. Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, look, and laugh in astonishment and bow their heads. Amen.